Welcome, everybody, to another episode of He's Not Done Yet. We just want to thank you for joining us today. A new episode uh, drops every Friday at 6 a.m. on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Then it airs every Sunday morning uh, from 10 to 11 on uh, Victory Radio. That's right, Victory Radio. 100.9 FM and 95.3 FM and 15.30 AM right here in beautiful North Little Rock, Arkansas. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Links can be found on he'snotdoneyet.com, he'snotdoneyet.com. You know, He's Not Done Yet is a radio ministry, and, um, you know, that's how it came uh, to me. And then also, you know, we do the the podcast, and uh, we're just so delighted that you're here with us today. We want to invite you to the First Pentecostal Church. We have church on Sunday morning at 1030, uh, Sunday night at 7, and then uh, we're back on our midweek service at uh, 7 p.m. on Tuesday evening. If you'd like to go, please reach out to me. I'd love to have you as a guest. Uh, You can reach me at 501 339-8017. That's 339-8017. I'd love to hear from you. Well, this morning's scripture comes from Zephaniah 3 and 17. The Lord thy God is in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We just thank you today, God, that this would fall on good ground. And we just honor you today, Lord. And we just thank you and and we praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, today we have a very, very special guest that um, I'm just getting to know. And um, I'm very good friends with his son, uh, Brother Jaron Brown. And uh, we are so honored to have uh, Brother Carl Brown with us today from Rialto, California. And we're just so honored you're here today. And we would love for you to come on in and obey the Holy Ghost, Brother Brown. We're so honored you're here today. This is my pleasure. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yes, sir. Well, I would like to just share a few thoughts. Sure. Out of Second Chronicles chapter 24. And uh, this is something that's been on my heart for a long time uh, regarding our young people, but not just our young people, but everyone, really. There's a, there's a phenomenon called drafting, and uh, I was kind of intrigued by it as a young man when I found out what, what drafting was, and I was a young driver, found out that you could get behind a, a semi and actually get better gas mileage and, and uh, much less drag. Oh. And so that was kind of my, my uh, personal introduction to the, to the concept. And, uh, but drafting, what, what, what really is created when you're coming in behind a semi or whatever the situation is, a vortex is created. In that vortex, uh, I suppose is probably most commonly known with bicyclists and you know how they can move fast but they can be so close together and uh, there really is a reason for that there is a vortex is created the first cyclist is breaking uh, the resistance and the ones behind are benefiting from that and uh, it actually can go back several riders back and what they say is there's a a 40 percent less resistance than if it takes place um, for bicyclists. That one in the front is taking the brunt and then the rest have it easier as they're moving along and making progress. So uh, basically what I wanna kind of pull from this this thought today uh, or this concept is uh, the fact that when we when we're in that vortex, life is easier. It's not as hard as it could be. As long as we are, we're behind the one that's, that's, that's breaking that resistance for us, what we do while we're in the vortex, and I, obviously I'm, I'm reaching for some spiritual meaning here and application, but what we do as long as we're in that place of less resistance has everything to do with how we're going to pr perform and, and live outside of that vortex of protection. Um, with trucks as well, they uh, when you're a hundred feet back from a truck, it can be um, it can be a forty percent less drag. But when you keep moving forward, that drag uh, even even dissipates more until you get two feet from the bumper, which I don't suggest doing, it can be, it can literally be, uh, you know, like a, a, a 90% or something like that improvement, 93, I think, percent of drag reduction uh, at, at two feet. No, that's probably not a good idea, but the concept is there that 
we're, we're, we're close to the leader and we are getting less resistance. So life is easier. What concerns me is that people in the church um, and, and especially newer ones that come in, uh, in a sense, don't even realize that they are in behind someone else that is forging the path, that is taking the resistance, and um, that is going ahead of us, if you please. Uh, and because of what they are doing, because of their prayer life, because of their uh, moving ahead in God, we literally are being, uh, we're able to come in close and, and, and benefit and have a lot less resistance. And, um, and we can continue on and we can grow during that process. And, and uh, it's kind of like, I guess, the obvious example is the geese. <laughs> and uh, it is the same that, that they all, all of the geese behind, they'll fly just a little bit higher each, each time there's a goose behind, and there's less, less resistance. Um, and, Again, that percentage is, is pretty much the same. So there's spiritual drafting. It really is a good thing. Uh, it's a place, I believe, where we, we're protected, but yet we're carried along. Uh, it's a good thing to, to store up your strength when you can, and I'm sure bicyclists are doing this for that final burst. Uh, they're... As long as, as you're in that draft, you're blessed. Now, in, in, in a sense, I see some of these played out, some of these, uh, some examples played out in the scripture. One classic example in the scripture to me would be Lot. Lot slipped in behind Abraham. Abraham was the one taking the resistance. He's the one that took the resistance of having to live by faith of having to step out and and go into that promised land and and basically he is garnering property for his for for those to come behind him and uh, according to the promise of God and and Lot is tucked in behind Abraham and as they go along Lot is being blessed uh, there's a lot of things that are happening because of what Abraham does that uh, Lot is the beneficiary. And so the Bible says that Abraham left Egypt and comes back to the place where he pitched his tent at the beginning and uh, where he had first built the altar. I think that in itself is a tremendous lesson. Uh, this is one of the biggest mistakes Abraham ever made. He was never. He never consulted God about going down to Egypt. He never. Uh, he. It was just a, a reaction to the times and the, and the difficulties that he was in. He goes to Egypt. He learns an invaluable lesson. He's rebuked by authorities down there, and and finally he turns around and realizes he's off course. And the Bible says he goes back to where he had built that altar at the beginning. I think if we could if we could just give a little lesson right here out of this, if, if you're off course 
the best thing you can do is get back to where you were at the beginning. And I think that place is an altar. That place is not necessarily the exact same physical place because I know people who have gotten off course uh, and, and when they were ready to come back and get on course again, that church is no longer in existence where they had first come to God. Uh, but in a spiritual sense, we need to get back to that place of humility, that place where, where we really are now giving it completely to God and, and asking him for his help. And, uh, and no longer are we going to design our future. Now we're, we're, we're back to where we were at the beginning when we said at the altar, God, not my will, but yours. I'll do anything that you want. Um, anyway, in a sense, I see this happening with Abraham. And to get himself back on course, he had to get back, back to Bethel. He had to get back to where he had built that first altar. So what happens in this same context um, is, is the Bible says that, that uh, he looks at, at Lot. He, he is basically looking at a young man who's a relative, no doubt he loves deeply, who has benefited from, from being with him. And I, I think it's very worthy of consideration that the thing that separates Lot and Abraham, it's blessing. It was all of the blessing and all of the addition. It was how God multiplied the herds of both of them. And, and Lot, because he was in, tucked in behind Abraham in that draft, God's blessing him as well. But it was the blessing getting so big that caused ultimately the separation. And um, so he says, separate from me. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. You go to the right, I'll go to the left. And so we know the story of how Lot looks at the well-watered plains of Jordan, makes his decision, and separates. One of the saddest days of his life, I'm sure, in retrospect. And for many days he had to think, Literally, he had been cruising in Abraham's draft, and and all of a sudden he's he's he is thrust out of that draft after six years, probably of following Abraham. All of a sudden, now he is forced to get out. So the bottom line is he is he's moving now toward a place where he really shouldn't be. Um, I. He's headed toward Sodom. He's headed toward Gomorrah. He's headed toward uh, the bright lights. Now, in all fairness to him, the New Testament calls him a just man. Uh, and I, I see that as so unique. You can be a just person and still be living off of the benefit of other people who are, who are in front of you, who are taking the brunt of resistance, spiritually speaking, and and you without a real relationship with God, there's, there's nothing that indicates to us anywhere that he really had. Lot really had a relationship with God. It was Abraham that heard from him. And neither do I see anywhere in the scripture where Lot desired after God. You would think that there would have been some interest there. You'd think that Lot would have said, Abraham, I want to know this God for myself. But it doesn't happen. And 
so you can still cover. I mean, you're still behind Abraham without a relationship. And 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 this is this concerns me that that especially in a larger church, uh, which is has got so many blessings and benefits, people can get caught in the draft, and other people are coming and doing the praying. Other people are calling down the power of God. Other people are 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 making the difference. They're the wheels are cranking because of other people's sacrifice and and uh, commitment and faithfulness to God, and it's really easy to tuck in behind and feel a lot less dragged because you're in close. But you can do that, as in Lot's case, for six years, and never once apparently ask about getting your own relationship with them. Maybe it was just the blessing that attracted him. Or maybe it was maybe he admired Abraham. And I I do believe there are there are many people in the church that that admire the minister, that love the people, love the fellowship, love the feeling that they feel when they come to church. But as far as the personal relationship and the personal to God, it may not be what it needs to be. And that, to me, I guess what I'm trying to communicate here today is what you do when you're in the draft is so Take advantage while you're in that draft. Take advantage of, of, the, of the opportunity that you have, of examples before you. People are showing you how um, and showing you what prayer is and showing you what, what it means to serve God and live close to him. So we, bottom line, we, we've got to get it for ourselves. To live separate from the world is so important. Obviously, Abraham was doing this, and I think all of us understand the importance of holiness, good hope, separation from the world. That's the bottom. Um, but this concept of separation, I see this also at, in a sense in the same way. It's it's kind of like a draft. We can we can get in behind people that are living a life of separation. Separation is is vital, but there's more to it than just separation, than just a life of holiness. Second um, Corinthians six talks about separation and and i i want to bring out the contrast here um what mutual agreement does the temple of god have with idols that's separation okay for we are the temple of the living god just as god said i will live in it and them and walk among them and i'll be their god and they'll be my people that's relationship and and we see this intertwined throughout Scripture. So as he gives us, we've used the Scripture many times, I'm sure, about living a holy life. What what concord, uh, what does does the temple of God have with idols? That's why we need to separate. We need to be careful about our alliances. But at the same time, the purpose for the separation is what's coming through in this Scripture. I want to live in them. I want to walk among them. I want to be their and I want them to be my people. That's relationship. 
And then he goes on in verse 17 of, of 2 Corinthians 6, Therefore come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. That's separation. And then he says, I will welcome you. I'll be a father to you. You'll be my sons. You'll be my daughters. That's relationship. So separation without relationship is empty. And Lot was separated. He literally lived the life in the draft of Abraham of separation, but he never got his own relationship. And, and yes, we can actually find ourselves in the same situation uh, today in the church. We can pursue separation. We can go ahead and, and get in behind and, and separate ourselves from things we need to separate ourselves from. But if we don't have the relationship, then when we are thrust out of the draft, we, we're not going to have the direction we really need to have. He was a wandering soul. He was looking now for what was appealing to the eye. Lot moved down where there was lush green grass. And, and here's the high price to pay uh, as he feels the pressure all by himself now. And, and he's got a wife that loved the trinkets and the prosperity in, in Sodom. And, and now she's fallen in love with it. And the bottom line is he walks out without anything. Ultimately, he loses everything, all of the blessing. He loses all that God added to his life. Uh, it cost him his livestock, everything he possessed. And plus, he's got the shame of incest with his daughters. And now he's, he's not only that, but his seed after him now, instead of being part of, of the people of God, they become enemies to the people of God. They, they become a force against Israel uh, in days to come. So there's, there's a lot of, as, as Bishop Booker always says, big doors swing on little hinges, little decisions that may not be so little about where we go and what we do. Uh, yes, it's going to affect our life, and it may affect our family, and it may even affect those to come. And that's why it's so important that when, when we're able to live for God in such a beautiful atmosphere without fear of reprisal, if you please, we can come to church and there's nobody at the door waiting to get our information to find out why we're there. We can, we can go to church and worship and go home and, and, and feel free. That's less resistance. And, and, and people have prayed in there before we walked in. That's less resistance. People are giving, and the church is moving on, and here we slip on in and enjoy. That's less resistance. I, I just I, I feel like it's so important to communicate this, to especially to young people. Um, we've got to understand this. I've got to get this for myself. I have to know him for myself. I, 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 I want to appreciate as well men of God and, and, and people that do go on before us and, and make it easier for us to live for him. But we also have to understand that one of these days we may be thrust out and we may be on our own. I think, I think COVID kind of revealed a lot of this in a lot of people uh, that did not have their own relationship. With they may have had separation, but they didn't really have a relationship. 
a lot of people did. I mean, some fell out, by the way, if you please, because they had not really acquired something while it was easier to acquire. So you're a righteous man, Lot, without a relationship. And when you slipped out, it affected a whole lot. Another great example I see in Scripture is Elisha and Elijah, and how Elijah was that force taking the brunt. Literally, he did. He was a man against a nation, a man against Sidon. Uh, and right behind him was a very remarkable young man named Elisha. Remember when the cloak was put on him, on Elisha, as he's out with his yoke of oxen, many yokes of oxen. And uh, the... According to what I've read, Hebrew tradition, that if a cloak went over your shoulders, you were being adopted or you were being called as a prophet. There's, there was no other, no other option. Those were the two. And uh, his life, Elisha's life forever changed. But again, the thought here is what you're doing when you're in the draft. So Elijah's moving on. Elisha now is pouring water on his hand. Elisha is served. Elisha is, is a humble man. He's like a lot with an Abraham, but instead of just acquiring blessings as he's in the draft, Elisha is served. And, and I think this concept will, will, will lead us into maturity, will lead us into what we need to be is, is, is this the concept of getting involved when things are easy, when somebody else is in front of us, when we do have a situation where we're not getting 100% of the resistance. Um, and so here is Elisha. He's serving. He's doing everything he can to support the one that's in front. He's giving. He's, giving, he's the support group for Elijah. Uh, and... Uh, what happens is there's obviously a tremendous development in Elisha during the time of service. Uh, there's a lot of growth for each of us to, to gain. We're just in the draft, but learning and serving and trying to be a blessing, trying to help. Um, if everybody could get involved, how could the God forward it? This, this will always be our concept we work with, right? Is God, touch our people, touch our people, help it. The, the safest place they can be is, is involved and, and becoming a part and getting this for themselves. Anyway, I, I think of Lot and I think of wasted opportunity. I think of Elisha and I think of opportunity that was taken advantage of. And uh, then when the time for Elisha uh, to, to where he's literally thrust out of the out of the draft because God removes Elijah from him, you know. And so immediately he feels the force and he's standing in front of the Jordan River and, and here he is. It's time now. It's time to face the draft and he can do it with confidence. Where is the God of Elijah? That's the last time he said because now it's his God, and the, the waters part. He moves on through and steps into a, a double portion, literally, of the ministry 
of Elijah. So here's a, a sobering thought. The thing that pushed Lot out was the blessing. It was, the, it was literally the goodness of God that presses Lot and forces him out of the situation where he is protected. So I, my thought along these lines is that blessing, the goodness of God to us, the, the financial blessing, um, and, and blessings come in many, many ways. We don't want to get our eyes focused on that. We have to keep our eyes equally focused on the relationship aspect uh, and, and the development aspect of, of learning Jesus, learning him, uh, walking with him. Thank God for the blessings, and I, I want them to continue to flow, but I don't ever want them to get a hold of me and, and change my thinking and, and turn me away from what the real most important matter is and that is knowing the Lord and walking with him. So uh, I don't want to be found in, this, in a situation where I am descending when I should be ascending. And that's really what happened with uh, Abraham and Lot. You know, Lot is looking at the green pastures, right? And they're in Jordan, and Jordan is Yarden, and Yarden means descending. And at, and, and at this same time, Abraham is going to a, a place called Hebron, which means fellowship. So, so it, it's, it's all in, it, I mean, the concept is kind of revealed here. Uh, there is a descending because he didn't put God where he needed to be. He never really got a hold of it for himself. And with all of his blessing, he is descending. And it's it's ultimate. It's going to be ultimate chaos. But when Abraham leaves that parting of the ways, then he's he's going to fatness. Uh, actually, goes to Mamre, and in Mamre, which means fatness, is that place called Hebron, which is fellowship. I I find that so interesting. So there's a another strange story played out in the Old Testament that uh, if we had time, we'd go into, I think is so interesting, the wickedness of the kings. And in the midst of all of this, a wicked queen tries to wipe out all the seed royal of David. And one is left, and that was little Joash. And I think most of us know the story, how Jehoiada, the priest, protects Joash, little boy. And uh, while Athaliah is wreaking havoc in the land, um, and as long as Jehoiada lives, uh, Joash obviously becomes king and begins to follow in his ways. He's, he's, he's following in the draft of Jehoiada. But when Jehoiada dies, it is the most heart-wrenching story of how Joash turns on the children of Jehoiada because they point their finger in his face regarding idolatry and his mistakes. And and uh, he's now responsible for for their trouble, uh, their demise, and and he is he is headstrong, going to do what he wants to do in 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 spite of what Jehoiada was. When he slipped out of the draft of that man of God, uh, that 
that showed him the way, that taught him, that told him uh, when he slipped out, what was really in his heart was manifest. And it was a horrible, a horrible result of what should have been uh, something so good. So what I see in Joash is a young man, I can see it in my mind, a young man sitting on this on the pews of FPC or or in our church in Rialto, uh, that's listening, that's doing what they need to do because everybody else is doing it and because it's being preached to them. And and they can be like Lot, who was a just man who hadn't really committed a great sin or anything. He he just was just continuing on in that draft. But then the time comes when this young man who's in the pew gets an opportunity, gets a, a, a job, gets a situation where he's he's going to move to 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 be quote unquote blessed or or whatever, and finds himself out of the draft. And that is where we find out what really is in our heart. That's why it's so important that we take advantage of every service, that we take advantage of every time there's a move of God, every time God is coming and knocking on the door. We have got to, to build this relationship with God. How easier can it get? It doesn't get any easier than this. We've got brothers and sisters that we're going to see in heaven that, that um, they lived a life on the run. They were hiding. They were they were meeting in houses. They were uh, meeting under a constant threat of of maybe a visitor being somebody who's going to tell the government, you know. And this has happened in society after society, not just in the first century. Uh, in China, it's happening right now, and here we are. We can go to church anytime. We can go pray. We can we can enjoy every service, and and I just. I want to send out just kind of an encouragement to anyone that might be listening. If you've got the opportunity to be under a man of God that's preaching the truth, it's telling you how to live for God and how to prepare yourself, take advantage of, of what you're hearing. Get this for yourself. And, and if you'll get this relationship down now, when the time comes, maybe we're going to lose these freedoms. Maybe, maybe you personally are going to be thrust out of the draft. But when that happens, if you've got a relationship, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to. You're not alone. God's going to be with you uh, all of the way. So anyway, there's a Joseph somewhere. There's a Daniel somewhere that's able to get thrust out of the draft of family and protection and love of everybody that they know. And they're all alone now in Egypt, or they're all alone now in Babylon, or maybe it's a little maid that is that is all alone in Syria. You can still live out your faith in God, and you can influence others and bless others. Because while you were in the draft, God, what you man. So that's my desire to communicate this to everybody that would listen. And, and get a hold of what you've got while you've got the opportunity. And then when the time comes, instead of becoming a failure, you can be an absolute blessing and stand strong as, as an example in this last generation. Bless you. Bless you, Brother Brown. Thank you so much. Hadn't we been blessed today? I tell you, thank you so much, brother. I, that's, uh, 
That's victory. <laughs> I want to be in that draft. I want to stay in that draft in Jesus' name, Lord. But prepare me, God, if you should ever thrust me out, God, that I, oh, that I'd have what I needed. Thank you so much, Brother Brown. And we appreciate you so much. And thank you for that word today. And uh, we're going to hear um, a song from our pastor. It's called Worth. I was 